Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host as always, Steve Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew of Sam and Westy. You know the drill at this stage. Uh, and we're on Christmas week, so happy Christmas to everyone out there. Hope he's wrote to Santa. I know Westy's wrote to Santa. Westy, what have you What have you asked for? Um, I've asked Santa for a new knee. Um, really hoping that one comes in by January. we got four games in January, so uh, got to get it in early. Yeah, hopefully they're, they're, they're on that. You said new knee. I thought you said new me. I thought you were doing like a new year, new me sort of joke. Ah, uh, no, I'm I'm the same old cantankerous bastard I've always been and I always will be. Yeah, absolutely. Turning over a new page in my life in 2022, guys, you know, uh, all that bullshit. Uh, Sam, how are you? Fragile. Uh, the, the few drinks on Saturday night for your birthday really took it out of me. I thought I, I, I'm just I'm past being able to stay up till four in the morning and drinking cans. It's, it's not in me anymore. So yeah. Uh, it didn't help that I had to be up with the baby at like half seven on Sunday morning. Uh, that was not pleasant. I was I was not really in much fit state, but I fed her and I sat and watched TV until my girlfriend came downstairs and I was like, I have to go back for a nap now or I'm never going to be able to make lunch for my parents. But yeah, um, I don't think I'll be doing that again for a long time. Till next December. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we went for a Friedrich Saturday night. My birthday was last Thursday. Um, 28 years young and God, do I feel it. Um, I went for a few, yeah, a few pints Saturday, everyone was going well, we were having a good time, and then Sam suggested going back to his for more cans. I suggested going back to ours because I didn't want to walk to yours, which I knew was going to be the next suggestion. Yeah, yeah, well, the difference between mine and your place was I had seven cans again in my fridge, you had 24, or 20, whatever. <laughs> I only have four left now, so. Yeah, exactly, so we ended up staying too long, and yesterday was the slowest day in the history. Uh, I left my car, Westy, you don't, even know, you don't even know this. The car that I left in the car park after picking you guys up, I picked it up this morning. Uh, oh, <laughs> I right. did not go near it yesterday. I didn't leave the house yesterday. So it was a slow slow day. How was your hangover, Westy? Uh, I had a slow morning, but um, I was fine. I was in town shopping Sunday afternoon, and then I had a couple of pints last night again. Fair play to you. Westy's different animal, though, to be fair. Westy drinks more regular than me and you do, Sam. Yeah, and he also... Not, 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 not he's alcoholic, but I'm just saying... Westy's West, able to, like, you know, run off a hangover. I, I can't do that sort of thing, like... I'm more of a walk off a hangover guy. No, I'm more um, of an eat off a hangover. Yesterday, I had, like, this... In my mind, it was, like, spotlights on a pedestal with, like, a Big Mac just spinning and i was like that was all i wanted and then i went for lunch mcdonald's is a weird craving of all um, the take all the takeaways no nah, usually McDonald's. usually it's a roll but sometimes when i'm super hungover i get like this weird like mcdonald's thing and i wouldn't even eat mcdonald's that often but like just something so disgustingly greasy and not like good and not i just need something like that in me oh yeah Westy if you crave a salad, then you're. Uh, well, if you crave a salad when you're hungover. When we lived, when we lived in China, our apartment block had a uh, McDonald's on the bottom floor of it, and I used to get like just this craving for McDonald's when I was drunk and hungover or whatever, coming back at four or five in the morning, and I get in and I found the like twilight zone between their nighttime menu and their breakfast menu, so I used to wait until like quarter to five when I could get both chips and a McMuffin. <laughs> Nice. That's that's where to play the system, Sam. Where to play the system. The absolute smell of fake cheese in our sitting room. If you weren't hungover before you smelled it, you were hungover afterwards. That wasn't even as bad as the show cow. Like I'd regularly just disappear at one, go to these back like honest to God, these back lanes where there's these barbecue stalls. They're the dodgiest looking things ever. You pick up all these meat on sticks that have been sitting out for days. They barbecue it's where COVID started. They barbecue, <laughs> exactly. they barbecue it for you. You eat it. 
So I'd regularly disappear at like one and then like I'd be back in the club at two, new lease of life, you know, new bre- like uh, second win sort of thing. And I used to be like, oh, where'd you go? And I was like, I just went and got Shoko. And he's like, who'd you go with? I was like, didn't go with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> just me, myself. Wesley, what do you crave when you're hungover apart from like a good hug? Um, What do I crave? Well, yesterday now I had a lovely chicken burger from Supermax and the curry cheese chips and that set nice. me right pretty well. Nice. Nah. Walking, you know, you're kind of... Not on steady ground when you're walking back up Prospect Hill in Galway. You can't even get home. You're eating the curry cheese chips with cheese and curry in the beard, you know. Oh, I'd say the beard, yeah. I'd say that's tough. It's tough going. It's an attractive look, though, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I might lose my Galway residency card, but I, I don't rate don't rate Supermax. Take, oh, my God. It's massively overrated. I think the best thing about no. Supermax is Papa John's. No, the pizza's great, but Supermax burgers are good burgers. Chickens are Supermax, decent. Supermax is way better than McDonald's. The meat's oh, way so better much quality. better. Yeah, but I, I don't like McDonald's. I just like McDonald's in that one particular instant when I'm super hungover. I don't really like it otherwise, but the chicken in Supermax is good. Wraps are okay. Chips are god-awful. They're not chipper chips. They're not McDonald's chips. No, I agree. Chips. chips are terrible, yeah. As a takeaway, I'm not I'm not pushed on that. It would never be in my top three or four to go to. Sam, you've you've lost a lot of followers today. To, you've lost a lot of like, listeners. So you're on you're on, the podcast. Square, you're on Air Square and you're dying for an end of night takeaway. You go to Supermax if you want the social scene, but you go to Charcoal Grill if you want actual food. First of all, if you're going to Supermax for a social scene, you need to check yourself. You did not go to college in Galway because Supermax is the social scene. Tr- I, I true. I'm saying no, no ever good social interaction probably ever happened in Supermax though. It's all the cesspit of. Everything. Yeah. Many, many a nineteen-year-old met their two-month-long girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who broke her heart? <laughs> uh, we're nearly six months in, and we haven't talked about rugby at all. So maybe we should start doing that. Uh, it's Champions Cup round twos in the books. Uh, three provinces in action. Uh, Leinster, Leinster game. Leinster with a tough defeat. Hockey. Uh, hockey by Montpellier. Um, just re- really, really disappointed in Leinster. But you know, it's great to see them lose every now and then. I. F- there's a lot of talk about, you know, they were kind of harshly done by. Initially, I kind of thought that it was explained to me then, obviously, with they had some re- more recent COVID cases, which is fine. But then they went and postponed other games, and they weren't 28 nil defeats. Um, and again, I'm okay with this because it's Leinster, which is probably harsh to say, but it, it does seem a bit unfair. But, uh, is that but fair? The other, no? the other games weren't postponed because of a continuance of uh, occurring COVID cases day after day. Uh, the other games were postponed because legally people cannot go between the two countries involved. That's a completely different situation. I think Leinster can feel slightly aggrieved because the year that's in it, there is that the whole side of things and stuff is getting postponed. But they all the teams knew before signing up for the cup this year what was going to happen. There was it was laid out to them, and Leinster couldn't prove that they were like at the time capable of keeping the squad from getting any more cases. They got some cases early on in the week, as did Montpellier. Montpellier stopped getting cases, whereas Leinster's kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And by that, virologists and health and safety people and risk assessment people in a committee, not the EPCR, but a committee that's there to do that, worked out that they were saying, like, there's very, very little chance of Leinster not showing up with another case. And if that case is on the plane, that's a whole group of people in France. That's another like lockdown for them that's more players so it was just too much of a risk and it was Leinster were deemed at fault which I think is a harsh rule but if that's the thing that was set out before this, the cup was implemented and all the teams signed up to it that's unfortunate but that's the case 
Yeah, but what did the people on Facebook uh, say about it? You know, you said the virologist, but what about what about Judy, the fifty-four-year-old uh, on Facebook? Well, she did her own research, yeah, and she actually worked, yeah, and she worked out that uh, Leinster's twenty-three had all tested negative throughout the week. Fair enough, but so did all the other players until they tested positive. Yeah, yeah, and it can take a few days to show up, but um, yeah, we'll move on. Uh, obviously, Connacht were playing on Sunday, the one PM game. Uh, I watched it just in a in a deep state of horror uh, from the night before, but I did watch it nonetheless. Uh, Westy, it's a weird one because I think last week we said a losing bonus point would have been you know more than acceptable, but the game was there. Like, the, like Connacht played well. Like obviously, you know, towards the end, maybe one too many uh, handling errors maybe cost them. But did you feel like that was points dropped or a, po- a point well gained? I feel like it was a point smartly gained, but it is points dropped. It's, you know, <clears throat> like first off, like Leicester are a fantastic team. They're top of the premiership. They're 13 from 13 for a reason. You know, they've got great squad depth. They've got a, a pretty good system um, and they knew how to hurt Connacht. Um, the, the frustrating thing for me is that it was there on a plate. You know, not, 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 sorry, not on a plate, but it was there for us. We had the opportunities. We had two or three opportunities that, but for a pass, been thrown a little bit too late or a little bit too forward or, you know, an unfortunate bounce of a ball that bounces behind the dead ball, and which is going to happen when you're going for 50-22s. Like, you can't, you know, you can't expect them all to, to hit the mark. The first thing is that it was there, and we could have won it. And you feel like we caught Leicester maybe a little bit unawares. They maybe weren't ready for the backlash that we have. We did get slightly lucky at times. Like, Jack Carthy's try, while brilliant and a brilliant reaction to the ball, is against the run of play. Now, it comes from great blitz defence and line speed pressure and great reaction from Jack to get on the ball. But... We were, you know, we were, what, what were we, eight points up or nine points up at one point, And, you know, we kind of failed to score points in a long period of time. You know, like the yellow card, okay, and we got somebody simbing. But even in the last 10 minutes, you did feel like there was a try there for us if a few little things that had come, had been executed a little bit better. I think it's a dangerous thing to say, like, oh, we should be happy with a losing bonus point. And we have to get rid of the narrative of, especially which is in the media now, Connacht should be happy with a losing bonus point. You should be, they should be. Because we should expect less. No, we should expect to win it. We could have won it. It was a winnable game. And we did very well to get back a losing bonus point at the end. It was very intelligent. Jack Carthy, rather than lads busting a gut to get over for a try that means nothing, take the drop goal, kind of almost flies in the face of some decisions we made last year where we didn't take the three points. We went for the try. And I think in the game I'm referencing in particular, we were all happy enough that we went for the try because we didn't really care about getting into the Challenge Cup or whatever it was. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's we shouldn't be okay with a losing bonus point because we could have won the game and we were good enough to win the game. Um, but at the end of the day, we we played a hard game against a really good side and we came away from uh, you know from England with a losing bonus point. And I, I said it before the game, you know, eight points. If we get two more losing bonus points, two more bonus points, I just have to be losing bonus points. Uh, we could get four try bonus points and lose by twenty points. Um, that probably that should be enough to get us out of the group. So I think. You do have to look at the big picture and say, yeah, well, look, we got a point from it. Our campaign is still on track. And that is the main thing. Although you do have to think about how we let that game slip away from us or how exactly we didn't take the opportunities that came our way. Yeah, Sam, we've often said in this podcast about teams not, especially Connacht, uh, when they have a man down or their opposition down to 14 men on the yellow card, not taking advantage of that. Leicester, Leicester took advantage, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, I think that... 
I think they they what was it fourteen points while the Finley was in the bin, uh, and then obviously Jared Butler had to go off to make room for another prop to come on, and I think the Leicester took advantage of that uh, and did it really well. And that that period of time just before that ten minutes and into that ten minutes was the the changing of the game for them. I think that on fifty they brought on Dan Cole and forced that yellow card, but before that they kind of they'd been knocking on the door. They'd gotten gotten the upper hand in the scrum. Uh, they were obviously going to be dominant in the scrum and the, the, the mall. And I'll talk about that in a second, but they, they had started to get a proper upper hand in it. There was kind of the ref was on their side because everything was collapsing and they, they took the, they, they changed the front row and that changed the game for them. They got that yellow card, but they were, they were kind of did well to keep them out for as long as they did in terms of like, they were defending well in the 22, the tries that came were kind of from big breaks, but uh, I think there was inevitable that Leicester who are 13 from 13 in the premier league in the premiership, we're going to have their opportunities like that. And I think that I, I disagree with Westy a little bit. I, I don't think it's two points dropped. I think that, you know, from the running of the game, we started well and finished quite well, but that, you know, Leicester were probably deserved winners. The overall thing, it was there for the taking. Yeah. But I think we all like, we, we go back to where we were before the tournament. If you said that you were going to take six points from the first two games, I would have bitten your hand off. I think that that's a serious re- set of results. And, we stood up well to an extremely strong Leicester team. I know that they had cha- made a few changes, but some of the players they brought on, like Dan Cole, was the change into that game for them. But on the whole, I don't think it's a it's an unfair result. I think that would have been very unfair for us to not get a losing bonus point because I don't think we were further than seven points adrift of them. But I think on the whole, they probably were better. But I'm extremely happy and extremely proud and extremely hopeful for some of the displays that we had because you're looking at that team, like that Leicester team, they were saying in commentary, the only team that have done anything like that to them this season was Saracens. And if you're if you're saying that Connacht are the only team other than Saracens to do something to you like that, that's an extremely positive place to be. Uh, and away in Welford Road around the Christmas period, when they have their backs up and they're playing well for the first time in years, I think it's just it was going to be a very, very close to impossible task. And I, I think that the fact that it was there is amazing to see where we've come from because we played them last year. And I know the scoreline, it was quite high and we got a few tries and stuff, but we were bullied off the park last year. And I know that they were bigger than us, a bit more powerful than us, and they used the power a little bit, but not to the extent anything near that they did last year, anything near a lot of teams did last year. So I think you'd be really proud of that. Yeah, the that's two games now, Connacht, uh, where a prop coming on has changed the entire momentum of the game between Leinster and Leicester now. Uh, but yeah, they were very physical, as you said. The scrum, yeah, that scrum was a problem for a long time. Until I thought, though, when that young French international, Jack Angier, uh, came <laughs> on, I thought he did pretty well. Let's talk about the pronunciations. Sam Warburton, um, uh, it's not a dig at Sam Warburton, but... It's a dig Connor, at Sam Warburton. <laughs> but what, so, I, I was slagging him on Twitter as well, and then someone goes responded saying, like, uh, why don't you try and pronounce some of those Welsh town names and see how you get on? And I was like, fair point. But yeah, still. but are you are you paid to say Welsh town names for eighty minutes? No. He's- also, your co-commentator beside you is pronouncing it fine. Yeah. But it, this is the thing: is I think it's I think that that's a that's an unfair comparison because you're not paid to say the names of Welsh towns. He is literally paid. It it all he has to do is go and find out the names of the twenty three players playing for Connacht and the twenty three players playing for Leicester and the two names of the two fucking teams that are playing. Uh, well, he's surely heard of Connacht. Before. He's like, it's, come no, on, like it's not about him heard of it. It's it's a Welsh thing. It's his accent. They don't say tooth. They say tough. It's just the way they speak. It's 
ridiculous. Okay, so like really that's, that's how Welsh people pronounce Connacht. Like, that's but just you see, you see on Amazon Prime during the Autumn Internationals, I can't remember who the commentator was, but there was a video of him pronouncing all the Fijian names perfectly because he went out of his way to learn them because he asked things like Angier, even Niall Murray, which I know, like you can understand why he's getting that's that wrong. Easy no, you can, yeah. you can understand why he's getting that wrong, but you shouldn't have to understand. A commentator should know these things. They should be pointed out. They should be looking to find out the names of the players and if there's any pronunciations. They look through it. And they go, okay, look, you've got uh, like Jack Anger. Let's just have it ask, see how that's pronounced. Uh, and then it was like Cormac Blade at one point. Uh, yeah, Dermot, Dermot Kilgallen. <laughs> like, I, th- I think that that's poor, personally, from a commentary point of view. I think that you should be doing better. And BT should be doing better. They should ask more of their commentators. If you're going to have people brought in. They should be able to pronounce the names of the players. I think that that, that should be a basic but like you know the the the, the Murray one, I I totally get. Like there's people in Connacht that still call him. We called him up until a certain point. So that's easily forgivable to me. But like Jack Anger, like has anyone asked Jack? Maybe he prefers to be called Angier. Like maybe that's maybe it's a bit more prestigious for him. You know, maybe someone should ask him. Uh, but yeah, the Connacht, it's just it it and I, like I'm not. It maybe not this, but it comes across as. We yeah, you're not good enough for us to bother putting in any sort of research. That's what it stings, and like maybe not, maybe that's just us being Connacht fans. But it, that's what it comes across like. But I, I'm sure it's not Sam Orwood being disrespectful. I'm sure it's not. I don't know the other game with the, the name of the BT Sport guy with the Angier thing. But um, it's like yeah, you're a small team. Like you know, they're not going to do that with Leinster. That's what I would say. You know what I mean? They're not going to mispronounce anyone with Leinster like Alalato or anything like that. So well, you just said Montpellier, and it's pronounced Montpellier. So. <laughs> yeah true yeah. yeah that's yeah again not being paid to do it but uh my dad reckons it could stem from i think is it someone some from the british army there's like the conic guard but it's the the british spelling the a-u-g-h-t and that might be the pronunciation of that and that's where they might know the word from and that might come from that and that's that's fine if that is the case but i think that someone should have just been like look it's connect it's acht and that's how it's spelled and that's how it's pronounced you're commentating on this team and another team it'd be like saying leicester which i just think you know that's people learn like you know worcester worcester has about 50 silent letters in it like i fucked that up a lot of times yeah worcester i called them that i think someone messaged me going eh, sorry that's <laughs> <laughs> like sorry, i'm sorry uh but yeah that was it. but westy yeah you know as you said six points after two games now you know we have two two return games coming. That Leicester obviously come town. Uh, we have to uh, go to uh, Stad. You hopeful for those games? What are you expecting? Do you think we can win? Either? I obviously you think you can, but which one are you think more likely to win? Um, it's tough, right? Because I think both teams will be a little bit more aware of us now. Um, so I think that you know it is an age old adage that the French teams don't travel well. Um, so we probably got um. I don't want to say lucky, but we probably caught Stad on, you know, one, not traveling well, and two, probably not knowing really what to expect when they came to us. Um, and I think the same with, you know, with Leicester, you know, it, it, it has, it'll, it'll depend on how their next couple of weeks goes, because I did make the point before the game that it was arguably, definitely from a starting perspective, not in theory, the strongest team they could have put out. Um, I don't mean to be saying disrespect to, to any players that are on it, but, you know, you know, George Ford wasn't there, Nandolo wasn't there. There's a couple of guys, um, you know, that 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 stand out to, to not be there. Um, so you wonder then, will they now be wary of it? Will they now think, geez, we better go to go away now in full force and make sure we get out of this group? Because um, they will want to fight on both fronts. Um, 
But I think then maybe with Stad, you might get a little bit luckier in that. Like they're probably going to focus on the top fourteen. Um. So I think, I think, I'd love to sit here and say that I think we we can beat uh, um Leicester in the sports ground. If that same game happens in sports ground, I think we will beat them. Um. But I do think that they will have wised up a little bit more, and they will maybe be a bit more invested in the Champions Cup, whereas, um. Stad might be a little bit more focused on the top 14. So we might, again, be able to, to eke out a, a very, very valuable and very impressive victory in, in France. Um, Sam, this kind of segues into the conversation, but there's rumours of Ulton Delan's departure to uh, La Rochelle at the end of the year, um, which would be then Quinru and Ulton Delan kind of leaving back-to-back seasons. That second row, we have a good core of youth there between Dowling, uh, Murray, um, Mastersons and whatnot. Do you think they need to bring in a, a kind of a... I've seen John Klein being thrown around uh, by some people on, on, online saying he's at a contract at the end of the year. I, I can't see that myself, but do you think when it comes to playing the teams like Leicester and Stad, where you know they they have bigger, more physical men, especially in that kind of area, do they need to you know replace someone that quickly with that kind of a big, experienced, kind of powerful player? I don't think Alton is really that player I think he's kind of become that player for us just because of the age profile of the rest of our second rows but I think if you look at like the replacing of Queen Rue they brought in Leva Fafida and if you look at the game on Sunday the the clawing back of uh, some sort of foothold in the game for us after we went under between 40 and 50 minutes or 40 and kind of 60 minutes uh, when their scrum was on top and uh, we got the yellow card is what happened was we brought on TT Tumanga Levi Fafida and Abraham Papali, and the scrum was suddenly solid again. They uh, once or twice didn't even get it out. It took like a second row to use his knee to roll it back out. So, you know, I think that that like tying down Leva and keeping him there for the bulk, uh, using Ocean Dowling, Ocean Dowling growing into it a bit more for a bit of bulk. Now Murray is put on size. Uh, I think that there's plenty of talent there. I think what you would lose with Alton is experience, is a brilliant uh, player in terms of what he does, he carries. And I know players have commented on how difficult he is to tackle because he's not just big and strong he's also like gangly and sore to tackle because he's like he's awkward uh and he does he uses a kind of an unorthodox aggression in the way that he tackles and the way that he hits people the way that he runs and i think replacing all of those attributes would be more difficult than actually if you i don't think you'd actually be losing the bulk because if he's on the pitch with dowling or he's on the pitch with level Fafita, he's not the bulk it's when he's on the pitch with niall murray or when he's on the pitch with gavin thornbury then he kind of tends to be the bulk so I, I think that like the John Klein being thrown around would be ideal for us. I just cannot see it happening. I don't see a player moving from a player of that standard moving from Munster to uh, Connacht. I don't think that the Munster fans or the Munster board would allow it. Uh, we saw what happened last year with a uh, name has escaped me. The prop uh, we were supposed to sign oh, in them with France. James Cronin. James Cronin. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and there, there was uproar about that. And then he ended up, it, no one got him in the end. And I just don't see that happening. It would be a brilliant signing. I think he's, he's, massively underrated outside of uh, Munster. I think the Munster fans appreciate what he does. Uh, Irish fans don't seem to understand it or appreciate it. And mainly because a lot of Leinster fans are salty. He went to the World Cup ahead of their their like beacon of light or their, their I'm going to call him their lighthouse. <laughs> <Dev Toner. laughs> it's not far off to be fair. But, uh, yeah, I think that I don't, I think you'd replace him because you need to replace second rows because you know, second rows injuries happen. I think probably mostly to second rows and props. Like there, there's so much hard yards done there throughout a game, throughout a season that uh, you need to replace because you just need a body more so than you'd need to replace a bulk. I think tying down Leva Fafida to 
a longer deal because he does definitely bring that book and I want to see more of him. And I think that, you know, he's tired because he had a lot of game time with Tonga, but I think that you'll see him more and more because when him and TT Tumanga came on and uh, Abraham Papali came on, that, that scrum was very solid. That wasn't moving back. And that was putting it up to a scrum that had been dominant for 20 minutes prior to that. And we're probably used to thinking they were getting the upper hand and they just decided, no, we're just going to stand here. We're not even going to push. We're just going to stand and take it. And you're going to have to do all the work with the ball and you're not going to get the platform or we're not going to get as nice a platform or get any more penalties. Yeah, we're not we're not looking for a you know a, a penalty winning machine a scrum just something that's solid and doesn't give away penalties. I wouldn't mind Evan Etzbet though. Like there was rumors that Leinster were after him. I think if we if we could get him, we could use him. We find him and Quinn Root. They cut their teeth together, so you know maybe Quinn would put a good word in for him. Let him use his house. And um, I believe I believe Quinn has a house. I I think someone current another current player actually lives there at the moment. So oh, we yeah. have to kick. I think you have to kick him out, which he wouldn't be happy about. They, they share, like <laughs> yeah, true actually, yeah. Um, apparently, just on the pronunciations, it's T A T A to Maga. T A T A. Okay, I've heard that. So just for f- fans, I heard that from uh, uh from Illy. So Illy's second name is the exact same, and he told me it's to Manga, and there's kind of a weird to Manga, a half silent N there, so. So T-A-T-A to Amanga is yeah, how his part of But yeah, that was, you know, his debut as well. Um, which, yeah, he looks he looks a big boy. That's for sure on the, on the pitch. Harry well as well. Yeah, he's a, he's a bowling ball with, with legs pretty much. But uh, looking at a few stats here, Westy, you know what? I'd throw some stats at you. Uh, Leicester made 127 tackles. How many tackles do you think Connacht made, roughly? Uh, I'd say 105. 67. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Like this game was yeah hundred percent the big one then obviously in you know not not in a good way is turnovers conceded Connacht had seventeen turnovers conceded against eleven a lot of knock ons towards the end handling errors you could look at that Westy as a you know Connacht uh, you know taking that eye off the ball a little bit but also the physicality and the you know the the pace and the and the the strength that Leicester were hitting them with that has to contribute to that a little bit too right. Yeah, definitely. Like it was, it was an attritional game. Like it wasn't always the prettiest of games, especially maybe in the first 15, 20 minutes. It was a little bit scrappy. Neither team really got into a flow. Um, but definitely towards the end, like, like we do play such a kind of um, adaptable game, you know, whatever it is, fast, relentless, adaptable is the, is the um, motto of the team. We do play it. Like obviously we're going to be tired with it as well. And we are in the middle now of this big patch of games, which is, is actually going to be broken up. Thank God in a couple of weeks, we're going to have, a week off um, so it's only natural that some of these guys you know towards the end of a game it's a big physical side of that and after a big physical game last week against um, against that as well and I think you can really see it in that you know you guys say about the, the guys coming on TATA and, and Leva and, and Big Papa and viewers like as much as those players did influence it really well I think once we had a you know once the once the, we had that rotation it was a kind of new lease of life for the players that were already there I think some of these errors get compounded when, like, you know, because so Finley gets the yellow card and then Jared Butler has to go off. So you've lost a big leader in the pack there and Butler's gone. So maybe there's, there's just that, not that voice behind you that normally is behind you is shouting at you to fucking lift your head up and, and get on with it. Or, and then even when you, when you concede two tries so quickly, that again puts a blow in your confidence. So you, you all of a sudden you're forcing that pass because now you're desperate. Now you're chasing a game and they're like, oh, we have to get back into this. So I think a lot of those things compounded together feed into like that that growth and errors quite quickly and you know i said it as well like you know that that kind of maybe that little bit of a panic uh, at certain stages is probably what got the better of us um 
but again, as you say, particularly physical game and a long run of game. So it's not, it's not totally, um, it's totally understandable. I'm not saying it's like, oh, it's fine. It's going to happen. We're going to get tired and lose games. Like that's, that's not okay. But we did fight back till the end. I was, I was impressed at how we did turn around and how we did create those chances at the end of the game to possibly come back and win. So we saw that that line out right then where Conor Oliver knocked on too. Like I thought that was it then. You know what I mean? But then we yeah. got the ball back, marched back up again, um, and then carried to the drop goal. I know, Sam, I'm sure you were excited to see Bundy packed down in, in that scrum though. I'm sure that excited you. On the blind side there, I was like, oh, take it go, Jasper. Vista. Let me see what you've got. But, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, Sam's smiling it at home. didn't happen. Oh, but yeah, I like he was quite quiet in terms of... Uh, how much he was used, but seeing Bundy back on the pitch was brilliant. Uh, I think I'm glad he was quiet because, you know, coming back from a knee injury, he's played once for Connacht this year. Uh, you don't want to see him doing a lot of work, especially against a team uh, like Leicester, but I thought himself and Arnold just super together in the centre. Uh, there was some good passes. He had the little offload, really smart. He brought a physicality. What he did is even when he didn't get the ball, Carty went behind him a couple of times and they bypassed him a few times. Sucked in players so well. He Two, three players into him because people are just aware of it and I said it before and I'm going to probably say it every week until the end of the season, but we're going to miss Sammy Arnold because I think he's an absolutely star player. Uh, I think he was unfortunate with the pectoral injury last year, didn't get enough game time, but this season he's been incredible. Uh, we're going to miss him, but I also kind of hope that we just absolutely milk him for everything he's worth now for the rest of the season because he just he he, he brings an aggression. Uh, and when you need to stand up to a team like Leicester, uh, you bring a player like Sammy Arnold. You have a player like Sammy Arnold in there. He's gonna he's gonna tackle. He's gonna fight. He's gonna fight for everything. He got he always gets a turnover a game. It's it's great. Bree, yeah, Bree, we're getting a good player. We haven't really mentioned the podcast yet, but uh, Bree, we're probably gonna get another good player. Um, it's been strongly rumored. Uh, Big Papa is signed for, for signing for them, or already signed, and is heading away at the end of the year to Bree as well. So him and Sammy are going. It's obviously disappointing, as I'm, you know, I'm sure you've obviously followed Connor a lot longer than me. I don't know if as a player has so quickly become a fan favorite. Um, you know, without really playing every game week in week out, he just seems to be a really lovable chat. We had him on the podcast; he was extremely lovable, absolute gent, and obviously fun to watch play rugby because he's an absolute monster. But I think it's also when you look at it, take the emotion out of it. It kind of you can see where both parties are coming from. Like he said in our podcast, you know that they're they're kind of going away from that big physical ball carrier more of a mobile pack which obviously it's not really his strong point um he's played in france before but a league so he's probably you know fond of the area used to the area um and breathe gave sammy a three-year contract so if they came with a two three-year contract for big papa that's obviously going to be a bit more appealing than say one year on one year on with, with connaught constantly so like we're obviously sad to see it go but um i'm sure lads you'd agree we wish him nothing but the best you know and we'll follow him breathe as well but it is disappointing west isn't it he was such a legend yeah, um, I, I think you're right. I don't think there's ever been really a player that came in so quickly, you know, especially with the discipline record. How he's become such a fan favourite is just a testament to what a nice guy he actually is. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it's a shame to see it. I think in the case of Papali, he, I think there is um, a role for him in this squad. I think we have been criticised the last couple of weeks and not having the physicality for Leinster, for Stad, for, for Leicester. Um, and he, he does bring that. And I think managed correctly, I think, you know, coming on for the last 28 minutes, half an hour in games, like he just offers like such a different skill set that we can, you know, it's, it's all our game plan is adapting, right? It's not necessarily let's be as fast as possible. It's about adapting to what's in front of us. And I think he, he is a player who could 
not be the solution, but could be part of the solution to one of the problems that we have, one of the things that were criticised for quite a lot. Yeah, like, it's, at the end of the day, it's rugby, Sam. You always need a big bastard, and he is a big bastard. Yeah, you do. You need size. And I think one of the reasons why he did get so many people kind of excited about him so quickly is because he was the type of player that had absolutely embarrassed us in the past. Like, I remember it stands out to me so much. It just Nick Williams is just always used to run over all of our players for Ulster for Cardiff it was just I was so frustrating to see and then we when we were picking up the biggest eight on the island I was like this is great I'm so excited to see this like you know bigger than CJ maybe not like as good a player definitely not as good a player as CJ but bigger than CJ a big runner someone with athleticism that league background that if you want a position for league like a player to convert from league it'd be you know you got your Jason Robinson style league players you got your center style league players where you got your big number eight's going to run at you so that was what excited me about him uh he looked like he genuinely really wanted to like change his game he said that in the podcast with him and I think that the Connick fans appreciated that I think they appreciated the punch because like you know we do have to look at the not conventional routes to try and fine players Andy friend said it to you when he was on the podcast with you you know like they have like algorithms we've seen Shane Bolton come seemingly out of nowhere we've after getting another lad from South African Academy you know the Mac Hansen thing was a stroke of luck and seemingly a stroke of genius so I think that that's the side the thing that Connick have to do it was a gamble it in my opinion paid off to an extent for both parties we got a good player he had some big performances for us. We'll continue to have big performances for us for this season. And if he is going, which I'm still holding out hope that it's just a negotiation tactic employ uh, and at this day, but if he is going, I wish him all the best and I can't wait to see what he can do in France because they like a big ball carrying aid as well. So it'll be a, like, you know, he also said on the podcast and you can't blame him, the weather wasn't the easiest thing to get used to. So maybe a move to the South of France isn't the worst thing if that's the, the issue, you know. I'm sure the wife will be delighted as well because yeah. apparently she wasn't a fan of it. So uh, it's just going to be annoying, like watching him just bowl over people for for brief next year, like popping off to Sammy. You know that's going to be disappointing. But, yeah. but I'm I glad told, it's I not. Look at, you know. I'm glad it's not another URC team because that's what my worry last year before he signed the new deal when everyone else had signed deals and we were like, where's Big Papa's deal? My worry was that he would show up for Dragons and we'd be having to like play against that type of player again, and that's the type of player that traditionally has absolutely massacred us. So. And the main thing is we have to try and get him to cut Wesley's hair before he goes. That's that's the main thing. Um, we'll move on to the Munster game. Uh, they have bet, to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know it wasn't it wasn't the best watch, but um, you know what? I'm going to ask a question here. You know, I'm going to hold my hands up and talk about pronunciations. Is it just cast? I think it's just cast. That's what I've always believed. I already messed up Montpellier, so or Montpellier. So Westy, what do you think? I think it's cast, isn't it? Okay, cool. Castres Olympic. Uh, we're playing <laughs> Monster. Uh, Monster went out nineteen points thirteen. Uh, ben Healy taking his opportunity with Joey out, kicked fourteen points um, for for Monster. This was uh, yeah. I watched it back, and it was very much a Monster performance. They dogged it out. It was a very physical game. Cast really, you know, again, I like a lot of French teams, big uh, bulky packs. Um, it was a game where the likes of Amani, Tyburn, you know, they do shine through. I thought Keith Earls had a pretty good game. Conway as always. Um, but Sam, you made a good point. You were kind of texting us at the same time. What was Cast's game plan? And we're referring to at the end, they're, they're, you know, they lost by, what, six points? Yeah, 19, yeah, they lost by six points. So game very much in the balance here. Uh, they win the ball back around, what, halfway line? Maybe just inside their own half. And they just kick the ball out. Um 
which obviously look don't get me wrong losing bonus points are always important but you know the Connacht one where we were we were actually out of that seven point gap we needed the drop goal to get back in whereas Cast were only six points down it was a strange one yeah they the whole game they hadn't really looked like they wanted to engage in a game of rugby it was it was they I think you know Munster weren't great to watch uh, there's a lot of criticism about the Munster performance especially off the high of the Wasps game you know that they just chalk and cheese in terms of performances I thought Jack O'Donoghue would stand out for me I thought he was class um, and there's a lot of calls for him to be called into an Ireland squad again uh, which I just think is probably a bit too difficult with the depth of talent in the back row for Ireland but he is he's fantastic and he was really really good at the weekend and really well taken try but I don't think Cass really wanted to engage in any sort of game and then that was shown at the end when they just happily accept that losing bonus point they felt that they weren't capable of going the the length of the pitch or going that what was left of the pitch and getting anything out of it even though it was probably you know something they could have done if they were playing anyway decent and they've now taken two losing bonus points from two games like harlequins and monster and they seem to be happy with that are they they're content to try and sneak into the top eight and if not fall into the challenge cup there I, I don't know the top 14 table uh, but i think stad aren't doing too well in the top 14 table and I'll look at it here. Cast are, yeah, sixth. They're not doing too badly in the, that. So maybe they want to push to try and get higher in the top 14. So uh, it's a, it was a weird one to take because I think that all it did was just make two teams, two poor teams playing each other. And it didn't make for the best spectacle. Uh, and as a neutral, when you're watching games, or I say neutral, as someone who was quietly hoping Munster would lose, uh, it's hard to watch two poor teams playing each other. You know, when you tune into nothing, these nothing games. Nothing quiet about it, I'd say so. <laughs> I was being quiet about it. <laughs> but uh, no, I think uh, when you're when you're watching a game and you're not emotionally invested in one of the teams, when both teams are crap, it does not help at all. And um, when you have to talk about it on podcasts, it doesn't help at all. But uh, I think, no, I think like shining lights from Munster's point of view, Damien Dialende has just added another couple of zeros to whatever contract he signs next year, be that with... Munster or be that back in South Africa or somewhere in France or wherever he might be going uh, because I thought he was like head and shoulders above anyone else really in the Munster back line uh, and I thought your man off the back of kind of earning his position played well against was Patrick Campbell I thought he played quite well again and I think he's showing you know he, he should be and will be in contention for future squads even when all the players are back and they're they're at a full complement Just seen here that was Damien Dale his first time playing in front of a crowd at Tottenham Park Was it? Yeah, that's a mad stat. Eighteen months into his monster career, that was his first time. So that's pretty good, and the atmosphere did sound pretty good as always in Tone Park. Um, yeah, like let's talk as well about the obviously the you know the departure of Johan van Graan. Uh, he's heading off to Bath. Um, you know they're going to have to bring in a pretty much a new entire coaching ticket, which is not ideal. Um, we had heard a lot of months ago that uh, Larkin was going to take over and Van Graan was going to go to the director of rugby role. Uh, I heard that from a few people and that's not what's happened. Larkin's heading back to Australia and Van Graan's off the bat. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like uh, We've seen a lot of names uh, being flashed. O'Gara's not happening, lads. Uh, sorry. Uh, Paul O'Connell's probably not happening. Um, we've seen a lot of names being thrown around. Westy, Sam makes a great point but DL ended though. Like, we were kind of saying like he's so he's so good that we don't really feel like Munster are getting the best out of him you know what I mean like his his game is not the way they play the game doesn't get the best out of Dale Ende I should say I would say they need an attack minded coach coming in what What do you think what, what what direction do you think they'll go with yeah I think you're right I mean I'm not sure if they're going to build their entire attack around Dale Ende um, maybe they will it's probably a pretty good idea um, 
but yeah, I think I think he has he plays a style of rugby Munster want to play, but it's that style of rugby that they they haven't really been able to get a, a hold of it. You know, they they've tried and they end up falling back on type and playing a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a slower game, maybe perhaps more of a forward dominated game. Um, I think they do need an attack coach. I think, and I would hate if Andy Friend left us, but somebody like that, maybe someone with a sevens background. Um, don't even don't even say it. How dare you? Like, I mean, I see I'm, I'm sorry. And, I mean, I would hate to see Andy Friend go. I just beat somebody like that. I mean, wish, I mean every team could use Andy Friend as their head coach. I mean, what a, what a league that would be. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think something attack-minded, probably maybe Southern Hemisphere. I see there are, like, there's odds on for Scott Robinson. That ain't happening either. Like, he's in line <laughs> to be the All-Blacks coach. Like, that's just, yeah, I'm going to leave the best the team best, in the world to yeah. the monster. Imagine leaving the bed, yeah, to come with coach Connor Murray or, uh, you know, and all these, like, that's not happening, lads. Dream on, but Christ. But it's probably a good time for Munster as well, maybe. You know, like, Van Grant's been there for a couple of years. And keep in mind, like, I know you, we were hearing rumours he was going to be director of rugby. And I think he actually had a contract signed, but had an, an opt-out clause that he could have. There were Munster fans who aren't weren't happy for him to stay, who were saying, you know, what have we really gotten out of him? Why are we keeping him on? Uh, and now they're the ones crying the loudest about him signing for somebody else. It's like you didn't want him a month ago. Now you want him back. Um, but it wouldn't be a bad time to bring in a kind of, um, not necessarily a younger coach in age, but a younger mindset of coach to really take those lads like uh, Casey and, and Ben Healy and, and Gavin Coombs and, and even Jack O'Donnell as well and, and build a new team around them and build a new uh, style of play around those guys. I think, um, I think yeah, maybe somebody from the Sevens world or somebody from, you know, somebody from... Um, well, somebody who's been involved in the Super Rugby Arturo or the Super Rugby Australian last couple of years could really bring, <clears throat> could help bring that new philosophy in for Munster. But it's it's just so disappointing to see them have to get a whole new coaching ticket after such a short amount of time. Yeah, it's it's uh, you make a good point though. Like Sam, would you want Van Gran coming to your club after what you've seen the past couple of years? Um, I think he's still quite highly regarded by everyone outside of maybe uh, Ireland because Munster haven't done too much with him and he's also being compared to Razi Rasmus who was there before he was uh, in the position that he was in who then went on to you know win a World Cup within two years uh, so I think that he he gets that but from Munster fans point of view I've heard from most of my friends who are Munster fans for the last number of years that you know the Larkham is going to be the difference and Larkham is really going to push on and Van Graham was good with everything else but he needed the attack so it was, it was kind of I don't think you ever saw that marriage happen properly you didn't there was it fits and starts but you didn't see the Van Gran team with the Larkham attack uh, or the supposed Larkham attack ever happen so I think that maybe it is time a, a good time for them to cut ties I don't think that they are actually as disappointed really as they're making out you know more disappointed because they're actually disappointed in Munster's now lack of stability they've gone through a good number of head coaches in the last couple of years and I don't think that a team with such a high prestige as Munster really like that about themselves or like that being a thing about themselves at the moment. So I think they'll want just more stability and they're probably more disappointed that Van Grand's going seemingly having just signed a contract than they are actually at him going. Uh, and then the replacement is just going to be an interesting one because all of the names being banded around are either ridiculous shouts like the Paul O'Connell stuff or the O'Gara stuff. I think that it's too early for Paul O'Connell. He's happy where he is. He's doing really well where he is. Why would he move? And uh, O'Gara's just after signing a three-year deal. Wesley made a really good point about Friend. Uh, Friend is ideal for them because from what I've heard, they kind of are you know, very, very keen on the idea of a director of rugby with a head coach working underneath. 
and Andy Friend has almost made himself into a director of rugby in the last year or so. The changes to the uh, positional coaches and the, the head of coaching, uh, Pete Wilkins' change of position within that. Friendy has kind of said, I've almost washed my hands of the, the day-to-day running of the coaching stuff. And my coaches do that and I trust them. And they come to me and we, we sit down and we committee things and we, we work it out together. And I let them use their vision and show their vision. And, and if I appreciate it, I go with it and I promote it. And that's kind of what he's done is become a head, like a director of rugby. So something like that for Munster is probably what they want. It's what I've heard that they kind of want is a director of rugby head coach underneath. Uh, I like the name, some of the names being shouted around. I, I, if I was a Munster fan, would be more excited, but also more nervous about some of the younger names, like the, uh, the ones that are being thrown around as like, they'd be really good for the development. Whereas I think Munster at the, at the moment, their fans really just want stability. They want someone in to come and steady the ship and bring in a head coach and, and build and stay for a good number of years. Uh, and then a lot of them really want someone with ties to the club. So you're, you're really, you're, you're narrowing the possibilities there, but like the likes of a Holland who's coaching at uh, Canes at the moment, or Mike Prendergast's name gets banded around all the time. And then Felix Jones in the South African thing. I know that's, it's probably too big a step up for him, but they'd like him back in the system if he could. And the same with Flannery, if they could. And I think that there's a lot of kind of ex players around that they would like, but whether or not that's the best thing for them or whether or not that happens is a completely different story. I think the, the whatever way they go will be obviously a huge tell about the club's, um, the, the, like how they want to play the game of rugby. Like, the, you know, if they select someone that's quite, you know, a bit younger, a bit more aggressive with their attack and all that, I think it's a great sign for Munster. If they sort of stick to kind of their their beliefs and I'm putting that in, in air in air quotes, um I don't think that's a good sign. I think it will stall the progress of Munster. I think the next few months are gonna be big for the club and we'll see. You never know. But you made sorry, just really quickly. I know I'm trying to not jump in here now <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you made a really good point about DLND being like, you know, the perfect player for what they want to do. But I actually think DLND is the perfect Munster player because he is capable of playing both the way that they want to play, which is expansive but also being brutish and physical. Like you saw the other day when the pass isn't on because he's got such good hands, he's capable of just running over people, running through people, bouncing off tackles, pulling two men with him. So he, like, I think if they can, they should move heaven and earth to keep him because he's a phenomenal player. He's exactly the the perfect middle ground between the two types of play, the play that they can do, know they can do, and have done successfully or somewhat successfully for years, but also the play that they would like to do, which is that expansive kind of passing game. And, quite similar to what Connacht and Ireland and to an extent, you know, Leinster have started doing this year in Ulster. So that's for them. No, 100%. Uh, we'll move on to the last game, the Ulster uh, with their win, their bonus point win over Northampton, 27 points, 22. This Westie was a great game to watch in, in terms of Ulster when they were firing on all cylinders. They're very good to watch. The, you know, the other big guys kind of played well. This game should have been well out of sight and yet somehow... Uh, Ulster only come out five points and was looking pretty scary towards the end there. Yeah, I mean, 20 minutes in, I think we had three tries and um, yeah, I was thinking this is going to be a good day in, in Belfast. Um, but yeah, they really kind of, they really seemed to take their foot off the throttle after a while. And no, I don't mean to, to talk down. Like Northampton did play well and they stayed in it. Like they very cleverly managed the scoreline. They kept it ticking over and built into a position where they were, were able to kind of make it a contest. But yeah, it was almost, there was, for the first 20 minutes, you're kind of like, oh, like, this is that Ulster performance that we've all known they had. We've said, like, they've been kind of eking out wins all season, like, you know, okay, and the part, Leinster game aside, obviously, um, 
not playing the best rugby ever, but like you, know, you always felt like they had more. And they come right out the blocks with this, you know, fantastic opening to the game. Um, and then after 20 minutes, they're out of ideas. <laughs> it was um, it was a strange one. And then like even look, they got disrupted a lot. I think they lost McCluskey relatively early, um, lost Henderson as well. So we got to see some, some change and, and, and kind of how they adapted to that. Maybe wasn't as, as well as they could have, but um, look, they got the win at the end of the day as well. I, if it was us and we were we had gotten a bonus point win at home against an English club, if that's what happens to us against um, Leicester in, in in a month's time, Jesus, I'm delighted with that. Um, but yeah, it was it was worrying to see them not only not be able to kick on, but also you know be, be in a position where like the, the game was fully open again. It was it was there for for Northampton to take. Um, so yeah, I, like overall, yeah, great, good performance. Again, I thought I thought Mike Lowry played really well. I'm a huge fan of Mike Lowry. Um, but yeah, just just a worrying trend emerging in Ulster where um, we know they have better performance in them and they've shown it to us, and it's just not something they can do for a full game at this level. We've seen it a few times. Yeah, the Ospreys was the same. Like the first twenty minutes, they were all over Ospreys, and then they just stopped. And it's it's like we've seen that with Connacht last year a lot, especially, and we didn't really see it with Ulster last year. They were pretty clinical in a lot of areas but this year it just hasn't like Sam what do you put that down to it's just a, a, a bad run it's hard to say a bad run of form they've lost like what literally what two games <laughs> like it's not like really bad but it's not yeah it's not their normal self like they should they we feel like they should have pushed on players have pushed on the likes of Hume and all that have seen kind of taken to a next level but yet here they are nearly throwing a game away losing to Ospreys you know Connacht hammered them in Aviva like it's a weird kind of state that they're in yeah, I think that they were kind of waiting on Vermeulen for a while. You know, that that signing was amazing, but they were probably waiting on him uh, and they wanted to start the season with him. And he seemed to be quite you know central to a lot of what they were doing the other day. And he's only in like a week or two. So uh, and obviously he's going to be because he's an amazing player and it was a brilliant signing for them. But, uh, you know, waiting on that, they, they were kind of flattered to see a few games and then maybe they just never got going. I think that they missed Cooney more than they realize like Doak had some excellent performances, but Cooney really like makes the entire team tick. And I think I said it last week, Burns was better again. I think because Cooney was taking a lot more responsibility for some of the, the game management side of things. And Burns was more the link man. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's just, once you're not playing well, you kind of, it's harder to, to grow into it, but you know, all in all, the result was probably fine for them. Uh, Northampton were always going to have, some sort of backlash because they were absolutely cat the week before against Racing and they're not going to want to do that two weeks in a row. People like, yo, their fans are going to be annoyed about that side of things. So uh, I think for them, they'll be disappointed that they could have thrown it away, but they'll be happy with the win, happy with the result. The two weeks in a row is fairly, fairly good going for them so far. They're doing, they're, they're tipping away really nicely in it. And the likes of Hume playing well again, McElroy playing well, Lowry playing well, Timoney, uh, Ray, these are all some, some good individual performance in a somewhat disjointed team performance. So I think they're not too far away from it. They're, they're capable of doing it. McFarland is a genius coach. Uh, they're really, really lucky to have him there. And I think he's, he's done so good with the entire club, not just the, the team and not just the way the team plays, but you see seamlessly young lads coming in and out uh, in the last year or two. So I think, that, I think they're, they're fine and they'll be happy with the result, regardless of how close to throwing it away they were. Yeah, 100%. Westy, on a scale of 1 to 10, how naughty was Eaton McRoy's step? <laughs> 11. Oh, it was just Spinal gorgeous, tap. wasn't it? You cranked that shit right up to 11. <laughs> yeah, this one goes to 11, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and it was great to have him play so well and not hear about the commentators having played golf with his parents. Um, <laughs> other relevant information. Uh, <laughs> I forgot no, about that. <laughs> but great, like, it is great to see, like, obviously he's still young. It's great to see him at that level. Um, you know, Northampton, what are they, fifth in the Premiership? Like, they're, again, a very decent outfit. Like, um, to see young players like that stepping up, I thought Stuart Moore, when he came on, was quite good. He's kind of fallen out of the conversation now with Hume playing so well. But I thought Hume did play very well. Um, so, yeah, to see these young lads stepping up um, is very impressive for Ulster. And to have a player like McElroy and, and Balakim to come back and even like, OK, I'm not the biggest fan, but Craig, Craig Gilroy as well, having a, a pretty decent game, like to have these options uh, at Ulster, you know, it, it is it is pretty promising. And um, they do have a few injuries. I haven't seen their injury update now for, for next week. Obviously, you know, we'll be playing them. So um, that would be an interesting one. But I think... I think I'm kind of worried that they will have that performance for us when we get to Belfast because they will be hurting and they won't like this, this narrative of them winning these games, but not well. And, um, you know, they're happy to be winning games. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think McElroy is definitely one of the danger guys. And, you know, as know with Balakoon as well available, I think that's a very threatening two guys to have on the pitch. Yeah. The, this is the problem with the you know the many games in a row the likes of Henderson McCluskey go off injured. It's just as you said, it's a war on attrition basically at this stage. Uh, we'll finish on this then as West Clare already touching on Sam, but yeah, Connacht are going up to Belfast on the St Stephen's Day. Um, are you how are you feeling towards the, the game? Because Connacht obviously are in a good place at the moment. The last few games have been pretty good. Um, Ulster, as we know, they're turning the table, so they're not exactly doing too bad. But um, bet them well in Aviva. So, are you are you confident? Are you fearful? Apprehensive? Uh, that away game. If you've gotten away on Stevens's day, that always scares me because I just think it's such a hard game to get up to uh, up for uh, mentally. Like it's, it's just so difficult for players. You know, Christmas Day is different. They've got training, and then they got to go and stay somewhere or go up on the day off. So, I think that that's such a hard game. So that always kind of scares me. But Connacht playing the way we're playing at the moment, Ulster playing the way they're playing at the moment, obviously Ulster are going to be a different animal in Belfast with a full stadium because they don't fall under the Republic of Ireland rules, which is uh, great for them, not good for us because that's that's a jolly time of year and you a full stadium can really lift the team. Uh, so I think it's... I, I'm, I'm positive because I think Connacht can definitely put it to them. They showed that in the Aviva and... They will, they will play like that, and they should, they should play like that, and it could be a great game. It's two, two very complementary styles of rugby, which would be excellent to watch. Uh, for me, I said it last week, and I think I was, you're proven right again. The weekend when McCluskey went off, a lot of the good and a lot of the work that he does for Ulster was very evident. I think that he, they rely way too much on him. I think for Moulin being there, being a big ball carrier, getting them some go forward ball is definitely going to take a little bit of that off McCluskey. But if McCluskey's not back for that game which I don't know if he will be uh, I think that that's extremely positive for Connacht because I think that you can get at Ulster when they don't have McCluskey you do worry about Hume because he's an amazing player he's really good and I think he's, he's leapfrogging in my opinion ring rose in terms of that 13 spot I still think the best Ireland centre partnership is Bundy Henshaw but uh, I think Hume is just in the conversation and he's very very close to being in the top two so it's a uh, you know, that's that's a scary thing to look at on Stevens' day going up to Raven Hill and trying to get a result, but no, I think Anna can do it. It's, it'll be very tough. Bundy Henshaw is probably odds on favour to be Robbie Henshaw's first uh, son's name as well, actually, come to think of it. So that you never know. Future future Irish international right there, Bundy Henshaw. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's good. as you said, it's going to be tough. Um, Ulster at home, kind of, yeah, yeah, since Stevens' day travelling away, 
a belly full of turkey. It's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be, you know, tin celebration on the bus up, I'm sure. You know, all the normal Christmas stuff. Uh, it'll be tough. But, but like, it's... Connacht are in good form. They're confident. They, you know, they're the way they're playing, it's very much there for the taking. But it'll be interesting. And it's a... I don't know, Westy. Would you start the year? Is, is it a game that you're kind of circling as a as a must as a must win, or a, you know, we need to win this? It's probably not, right? I don't think it's. I think it, I don't think it's the must win. I think the home fixture was kind of the must win. Um, but I think again, you have to be. You have to look at this stuff contextually. We're, we're playing quite well at the minute. Um, okay, we were the last two performances of me for me kind of strike me as a bit jittery you know even against that it took us a while to get going on it like we had a couple of you know passes that didn't come off and you know like it, it is great to just stick with the system though and again our def- defensively we're quite good I mean we do often have players flying up out of line but there's usually a system behind it now it, it kind of it <laughs> causes us to concede a couple of tries the weekend but it, it is all part of a system that I think is working quite well um I think looking at the game now it's not a must win but it would be a beautiful one to take and it would really take the pressure off us for next week because, and it, look, in two ways, right? it would take the pressure off us next week because we'd have two Irish provinces beaten already, which is going to be, which is great. It's what we need to be doing. Um, and also it would put a lot of confidence in us for next week against Munster. Um, so I haven't seen our injury report. I don't know who's available, who's not available, what, what squad's going to be like. Um, but, you know, I know you're saying it's tough to travel on Stevens Day, but Stevens Day game is tough for everyone. So if, if you're in the right mindset, if you're able to get up to that level, you could give Munster a god-awful shock arriving up to Ravenhill. But I do think that they'll be wise to us and they'll be hurting and they'll really want it to get one back on us for beating them in the Aviva. Yeah, you said Munster there, but we all know you meant Ulster. Ulster, my apologies. They'll definitely shock Munster if they rock up the bat. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, exactly. I love that mindset, Westy, though. You know, getting the right mindset. Love it. Unagi. Um, we'll we'll finish up. Salmon Skiro. We'll finish up there, boys. Um, this is our last podcast for the year. Um, obviously, Christmas is around the corner. We're all going to be in our homes, whatever or not. Then I'm actually abroad, uh, out of the country for New Year's, um, and don't plan on doing any uh, podcasts from there. But um, if you're going to the games, obviously enjoy them. Um, be safe. It's obviously you know a weird time at the moment with COVID and whatnot. So um, great news that Connacht aren't restricting any season tickets though. So that's that's positive news on the on the on the outlook. But obviously, yeah, take your precautions. Wearing masks is never fun, but in the stadium, probably best to do it in a big crowded area. Um, and to everyone who are listen, our listeners, thank you very much, as always, for listening for the year. Uh, myself and the boys really appreciate it. Have a great Christmas, have a great New Year's, and we'll be back uh, first, second week in January to recap it all. Um, and, we'll, and we'll see you then, boys. So cheers, boys. Have a good one. Catch us next. No, not next week. Catch us in a few weeks. Bye. Bye.